according to Ayurveda, there are 13 urges that, if suppressed, can lead to distress in both the mind and the body. This includes things like eating, sleeping, and sneezing, and the subject of our talk today, sex. Well, technically, ejaculation or orgasm. Hey there, it is Shara Carruthers, and as always, I am really excited about sharing today's talk with you. So way back in November, I had a sit down with Asaya McKimmy, who is a sexologist and a couples and sex therapist, and also someone who's something of a soul sister or kindred spirit, particularly in terms of her belief and her embrace of yoga and Ayurveda and the gifts of this ancient wisdom. And what I love most about this conversation that I had with her is that we went beyond the usual talk about sex and relationships to a deeper discussion of what sex really is and what it can be for us and for our relationships. It was a fantastic chat with Asaya, who at the moment is actually living on ash on an ashram in India, and she's been there since April of 2019. So she's in the middle of this process of self-discovery herself, and she touches on that a little bit in our chat. And so enjoy this talk with myself, Shara, and Isaiah McKinney, and I'll share a little bit more about the Ayurvedic approach to sex on the other side. a conversation I've been wanting to have for a really long time. So I'm really excited about it. And I'm just happy for it to go wherever it goes. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. Cool. So let's just start by, I'm going to ask you a really simple question just because Mm. I will, I will have introduced you already, but the burning question that I have um, right now, before I get into any others, which I've got a few more burning ones, but is tell me, what, tell me about what you do and why, why you do mm. it. Okay, great question. So what I do, um, let me start with the title. I'm a couples therapist. I'm a sexologist. I'm a sex therapist. And I, I started this journey teaching Tantra. So I'm uh-huh. really also a Tantra teacher. Uh-huh. Why I do this, it was, um, it's not something that I ever in a sense, chose to do this wasn't, um, you know, something I imagined that I would do growing up. And and it actually wasn't so much a conscious choice that I ended up doing this either. So I, at a music festival in my early 20s, I kind of stumbled on a Tantra workshop. And I don't even know if I knew what Tantra was. Uh, You know, this was 15 years ago. But I was immediately hooked. I loved what I was learning. I mean, I had been very self-conscious about my body growing up. I was interested in sex. I'd had sex and I liked it, but I always felt like I was holding myself back. You know, I was self-conscious. I didn't know how to ask for what I wanted. I always felt a little bit guilty and ashamed about sex. And when I stepped into a Tantra workshop for the very first time, I finally felt like I had permission to love my body to enjoy the pleasure like the sensual pleasure that my body was capable of and actually permission to explore sexually as well and so 
that started an incredible journey for me um, over the next few years. Um, Tantra really transformed my life, you know, to someone who loved their body, felt comfortable with sex, felt really confident. And, and I started teaching because I wanted to share that with other people. And I still never really thought that this would be something that I would do as a career. But one thing led to another. And not long after I started teaching, a psychologist saw me teach and asked if I would uh, work with his male clients experiencing sexual dysfunction Mm -hmm. to teach them the practical things that I knew through Tantra that he didn't know and couldn't teach them. Hmm. That role opened my eyes completely to just how much sexuality and intimacy impacts our whole lives and how when we have a challenge in that area, it, it impacts everything. And, you know, conversely, I also realized that this is how I could help people. This is how I could help people live happier, fuller, more satisfying and joyful lives was to help them with with sex and intimacy and relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went on to essentially do a whole lot more training to make that possible. I wanted to know that I had the best tools, the best skills and the best advice for them. Mm -hmm. So that's how I ended up doing. um, I I did a master's in in therapy, in psychotherapy. And I also then did a master's in sex therapy um, with a whole lot of other study Mm -hmm. in between. And that is really still why I do what I do because I think um, letting go of shame around sex, becoming more embodied, becoming more comfortable with our bodies and being able to have more harmonious relationships with other people is a powerful, powerful way to live happier, more loving, wholehearted lives. Mm. First of all, I love that so very much like it just feels like it was a just a true calling that experience of something that just feels so right and just yes. being just allowing yourself to be pulled in that direction yes absolutely I, I really love okay so you are in india right now tell me yes. or if you if you can <laughs> what what's happening what are you what's going on over there what are you what are you up to are you studying are you, are you- wow so um so i arrived here in April. I've lost count of the months even that I've been here this this trip, but I came for a two-week retreat with my guru who I met here two years ago. Um, and I am still here, which is um, so unexpected. It has been absolutely profound and challenging in ways I can barely even explain but um i'm i'm still here and i'm so grateful to be here so all of my work is online i've been working online for the last couple of years so it's um relatively easy for me to kind of balance um working online and sometimes i get up earlier to do that you know i do my spiritual practice and then i start work um and then after work and on weekends i spend time at the temple here it's a um uh, it's it's I mean it's a, a phenomenal uh, temple complex that I am staying at. It's a uh, a temple to to Lakshmi and to the goddess Narayani, um, 
And um, there is so much on offer here. We've just opened actually an Ayurvedic center here. We've been offering um, consults for um, for quite a while here, but they've just opened um, a Panchakarma center. So I've been able to spend time there in the last couple of months as well and just really live this incredible but contradictory life of running an online business and and kind of living in an ashram it's um i mean it's phenomenal <laughs> wow okay so that is very contradictory and it's interesting yeah. i've been um you know as i'm sort of diving into it's always i'm, I'm always diving into deeper study because something you experience in life is always sort of pulling you in and as I'm diving into deeper study, realizing this kind of paradox between, you know, living as a modern person and the pursuits of a modern person versus mm. kind of living a more spiritual life and yes. maybe even ha- having or trying to figure out how to embrace that, like, that's the real deal. Yes, I, I wrote a, a post on this on my uh, Facebook page recently, actually, where I still don't feel like I have the balance. Like, and I guess what I'm learning is balance is always in flow. So some weeks I, we might have a a festival here, you know, we just had Diwali, we had Navaratri before that. And I spent so much time in the temple. I, I could feel this anxiety rising of, okay, but I still have bills to pay. I still have to pay for for being here. And then I will switch back for a week and I might miss a whole bunch of ceremonies. I might not end up in the temple for a few days because I'm, I'm working. It's, 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 um, it is so interesting to, to feel like there kind of is no perfect balance, but they are the same. And for me, it's been a real deepening and a trust of my intuition that I'm just going to know what's next. I'm going to know that it's either time to go to ceremony yeah. or that, okay, I'm working today and that just comes before everything else. I think that's the real lesson that we're, that we're all really trying to, to learn is how to trust ourselves and how to trust that we know, we kind of know what's, what's next and have the, kind of the courage to just follow it. Yes. So yes. it's interesting that you're, you're at the moment in this kind of incredibly divided isn't quite the word, but I, you know, just what we've sort of been talking about this place where there's two very stark differences and that are showing you the two really stark differences in, in who you are too. It sounds like. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, it also kind of really, um, really challenges my concepts of right and wrong. Yeah. The, the way that, um, you know, the culture here and then the culture that I kind of step into through, through my computer is so different and they both have lessons. They both have their benefits. Okay, so you mentioned, and I don't know if you have, have you any formal study in Ayurveda or have, because I know that you've had a panchakarma and all that, had panchakarma and all that sort of stuff. Do you have any formal study in Ayurveda? I don't have any formal study in, in Ayurveda. It's, it's certainly been something that I've had a personal interest in for a really long time, yeah. um, but I haven't done formal study in it. So I don't know if you're aware that, um, you probably are, that, that according to Ayurveda, the three pillars of life are fl- food, sleep, and sex. So have you heard that before? 
Look, I have heard it, although my, so my understanding of it, and um, obviously, of course, I'm by no means the, the expert on this, is, is actually that it was slightly different in the sense that it's um, food, sleep, and that the final pillar is brahmacharya, which yes. um, encompasses yes. sex and sexual desire, but it isn't necessarily sex itself. Right. So this is what it's like too with Ayurvedic, with Ayurvedic study. You hear a lot of different things. And I think it's in part because of the different translations. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I have heard that it's brahmacharya and I've, and I've read books from, from Indian scholars that have said it's sex. And anytime that there's any mention of brahmacharya anywhere, there's always this sort of connection. But what I'm kind of interested in is mm. the fact that this aspect of our lives has even been highlighted as, as being such an important part of, of who we are and an, an important mm-hmm. part of living a good life. Yes. yes. And I wanted to get a sense for you, like, what do you think about that being included? Mm. I mean, it's a really interesting question and it certainly has been a really interesting journey for me, particularly over the last, you know, nine months living here working as a sexologist and sex therapist and this obviously having been a focus of my life for so long my understandings of it and my journey with it I think I mean we for the most part we are householders you know we are not renunciates um and you know, I think as kind of evidenced by my life here at the moment where I'm juggling these two worlds, being able to devote ourselves to our spirituality and our spiritual growth doesn't necessarily mean giving up everything else. Mm-hmm. What I have noticed in my own journey is that the more I give myself mm-hmm. to spirituality, the more I surrender, the more, the more that really falls away in my life. My own spirituality has not been a journey of gaining more. It's mm-hmm. actually been a journey of, of so much falling, falling away. For me, sex and sexual desire has actually been a part of that falling away. And I have really come to question deeply while I've been here mm-hmm. what, I'm, what I'm doing and how and if I'm really helping people by helping them work on their sexual lives. And the conclusion that I have come to is really this. And it's that, I mean, relationships are so inherent to, to our lives and to our happiness Sex in intimate relationships is also really important. Um, I mean, I, we live at a, it's essentially a Hindu temple. And so the priests here have families, they have children, you know, we, we know how they're having those children. Right. <laughs> I, I live at a temple, people are having sex. We are, yeah. we are not expected to give that up. Yeah. I think what becomes important is the self-awareness and the self-reflection to look at where the drives are coming from, how we are expressing that. And for me, even the giving up of things hasn't been a, I'm going to stop that. It's 
it's kind of more naturally fallen away when it doesn't serve me anymore. I think one of the huge challenges with, you know, with sex and sexuality in our culture is that there is so much shame and fear around it that often we're not expressing that, not because that's a, a spiritual calling or where we're at on our spiritual path, but because it's actually suppressed and it's suppressed by shame and guilt and fear. And when we're being run by shame and guilt and fear, we're not loving and we're not living wholeheartedly. Mm. And that is, uh, I think it's so important to, to be able to transcend those cultural yeah. judgments around it and that sex can be such a beautiful way of connecting with and loving another human being. And and that that energy of sex itself, that sexual energy, that Shakti energy is life force energy and that needs and deserves movement and expression and that supports our spiritual growth. Mm, that, that's such a beautiful way of looking at it, I think, because it feels to me like these days sex is looked at well, it's, it looks, it's looked at in a lot of different ways, but in some ways it feels to me like people relate to it as pure desire. So, I mean, the word that's coming, the, what's coming to me is junk food. <laughs> um, yes. And yeah. the focus is really just about satisfaction of some sort of desire. And, yes. and there's not a lot deeper. And yet yeah. it sounds to me like what you're saying, which is so in line with what I kind of wanted to talk about more, is for us to consider when we think about the path, perhaps the path of yoga as being this sort of self-realization, there's so many sides to ourselves, either, you know, individually or even as we relate to other people. And I often think that, you know, kind of who we are as a relationship with the world around us. And so being able to, as you say, sort of let go of some of the the shame and some of those things that, that keep us from experiencing ourselves fully. Yes is just a part of that path and in perhaps a better context to see sex in? Yes. Yes, because when we're shutting down that that desire, oftentimes, you know, when I work with people who feel really uncomfortable around sex, in shutting down that energy and shutting that desire down within themselves, they are shutting off a part of themselves yeah. and then they're shutting off or they're limiting connection yeah. with with another person as well, because when we're disconnected from ourselves and really from any part of ourselves, we're going to be disconnected to other people as yeah. well. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting too that, you know, I've been reading research related to issues like addiction and various other things and how they've been, they've kind of, they've created these theories that it's about connection or lack of connection. Mm. And yes. when, I think about that in an Ayurvedic sense. I think about disconnection as being vata, very vata. Mm. And when I, you know, like vata deranged. And when I think about the society that we live in, we live in a very disconnected society. Yes. Yes. And we live in a very vata imbalanced society. We're always rushing, thinking, so much anxiety. And so just based on what you're seeing with the people that you talk to and the people that you support, how is our modern life affecting or impacting the way that they relate to themselves and the way that they relate to sex and perhaps even to sexual dysfunction in your, in your opinion? Mm, even on the most kind of basic level, um, 
because we are often so busy thinking or we're so disconnected or we're kind of constantly in this um, like low anxiety state, which is, which mm-hmm. is essentially what overthinking is. It's, it's an anxiety yeah. state. Uh, it makes it really difficult for us to fully enjoy sex for us to really sink in to that space with someone else because being sexually intimate requires that we drop down into our bodies it requires that we slow down and become really present first with ourselves and then with another person and I think you know for me one of the things that Tantra really taught me is that that is like a practice for then connecting to all that is that's the ultimate, the ultimate aim for me. But, but it's like a practice. It's like a muscle we get to stretch by connecting with ourselves and then connecting with someone else. And, you know, I think anyone who's had those like powerful sexual experiences will kind of have that, having had that experience of a connection to something much greater as well. Do you, do you see, because I don't know a lot about Tantra, do you see it as like a philosophy or a practice um, about connecting to the self or is it more about connecting to the people or connecting to kind of the world around us? Ultimately, I see all of these spiritual practices about connecting to the divine, but okay. there are different um, different kind of, um, you know, and, and that's not necessarily separate from connecting. To, to someone, yeah. to someone else, yeah, yeah. or to the self. It's all the same, isn't it? Mm. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, talk to me. Tell me a little bit about tantra because everyone's heard of it, and even yeah. these days, it's it feels like it doesn't get the. It feels like there's a connotation around it um, mm. that is starting to kind of match our thinking around sex. You know, there's sort of yes. this naughtiness about it in some in some way, or there's thinking about it in a very maybe two dimensional way. And so, no, I want, I'd be interested in hearing some of the principles, or just yeah, tell us what you tell me what you can tell me. I mean, I think, it, it, but particularly what we've heard about tantra in the West really isn't the fullness of tantra. You know, mm-hmm. tantra is a spiritual philosophy, um, you know, and a set of spiritual teachings that. Um, that come through a lineage. So those those lineages are going to have slightly different teachings um, in, in each one. I think where our concept of Tantra in the West can be really helpful, mm. and I think this ties back into what, you know, might be really helpful and interesting to, to your listeners particularly is that, you know, Tantra has all these tools these tools that can help us with intimacy and connection mm. and more pleasure during sex. And it can really take sex from something that is quite disconnected and something that can be quite goal-oriented to mm-hmm. something that is really loving and um, beautiful, enjoyable, and that can actually be a spiritual experience as well. Mm-hmm. In some ways, I always, I always think of sex as a spiritual experience. Mm. you know even without having that understanding myself or or any background in tantra and Mm. i was recently having a conversation with someone about enlightenment there's all these words you know that kind of mean many different things but about samadhi about this idea of sort of a single 
focus and how that experience of orgasm mm. almost somehow feels like that. Yes. And, and yet it doesn't. And so I was like, what are your thoughts about that? So before I kind of discovered Tantra, um, like to be really honest, I, I spent a lot of time exploring with different substances, with, uh, with different drugs. And I know that a lot of people on the spiritual path have um, probably had a similar experience yeah. um, to that. But the more I journeyed with spirituality, meditation and Tantra uh, and using, you know, different kinds of breath work or mm-hmm. learned to spend in meditation, just the less appealing taking drugs became. It was just one of those things mm-hmm. that fell away really naturally. So for me, I, I also then... Um, kind of got to a point where I was having a lot of orgasms. I was having a lot of tantric orgasms and they were certainly heightened beyond anything that I had felt before tantra. But I also got to a point where I realized that I couldn't be attached to to that kind of tool, if you like, that was getting me there. No amount of orgasms were, were going to make me enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, however, <laughs> um, through learning Tantra and really embracing my sexuality, that part of my life was incredibly enhanced. And again, there's like this energy, this sexual energy, this life force energy that becomes freed up to help with my creativity to support me in my spiritual journey so instead of becoming attached to that it becomes a tool for awakening energy that that ultimately then helps and supports and enhances my life Mm. this feels like a a very empowering context for sex and for sensuality and Mm. That's something that is very fascinating to me because I feel like a lot of what we, the ways that we learn, I mean, I've got two teenagers, you know, and they're, they're doing things, mm. they're learning things at school. And I feel like the way that we learn about sex, especially these days with, you know, pornography and various other things, mm. uh, and even, and even education, you know, even sex education in schools and stuff. Mm. I feel like it's not empowering. Yeah. Uh, I, I, absolutely agree and I think empowering is such a great word for it because you know knowledge is power and most of us are not given knowledge around sex we are taught often that through either directly or kind of implicitly that sex is naughty or it's dirty or it's something to be hidden it's something to be ashamed of rather than it being something that again can be the spiritual experience that really enhances our life so Learning about sexuality, learning that it's okay to enjoy it can be incredibly empowering. I think on the other hand, also having real consciousness around it so it isn't just something, and and again, this is kind of my understanding of, um, of how sex and sexual desire kind of fits into Ayurveda and, and perhaps some of the teachings of it is that we are also then not being run by our sexual desire and it isn't just an energy that's kind of being spread and leaked everywhere Mm -hmm. that actually it's not running us. We're Mm -hmm. not suppressing it. It's also not running us, but Mm -hmm. we then have 
consciousness and a kind of control around that energy and how we use it and and where we share it and I think that's the really empowering place and that's where it really starts to support our lives in in really incredible ways yes I love that you use that idea or that idea of being run because Mm. I, I often say to people you know we're not our energy but it can run us at times. It can push yes. us in directions. And, you know, our goal really is to become aware of our energy, how it's running yes. us, and then be conscious about exactly what you're saying, about di- directing it in ways that make it healthier for us. Yes, yes, it, exactly. Or kind of who we are. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. What a beautiful, like, I'm just, I'm really just sitting with that, actually. Like, I... And I feel like this isn't a concept that's kind of talked about enough that yeah. that balance between suppression and and having the energy really just uh, go outwards. I mean, for me, really embracing this energy and exploring my sexuality, certainly for a period of time that and um, and I did a lot of experimentation in that, but as I journeyed more with my sexuality and as I journeyed more with Tantra, I actually kind of got to a point of wanting to share that less. And I realized that it doesn't need to be a very outward display. It doesn't need to, it doesn't need to mean me experimenting with lots of things or, you know, having multiple partners or even having a lot of sex with one partner. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really I think that's really what I am often wanting to bring people back to when I'm working with them in coaching or in my programs is that we bring consciousness to our sexuality and our sexual energy and that we find the expression of that that feels really good and really right and really life-affirming for us. Mm -hmm. I really like that as well because I feel like that's quite empowering too because there's a lot of expressions of sexuality that are being talked about more like polyamory and you know all these various things that are being talked about more and and I have questions like not from a judgment point of view but just more from the point of view of how does this how can how does this serve uh, serve us like how not us meaning like us as a society but from an individual point of view, I do think we should always be asking that question, like, how is this choice serving me right now? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and some of those, um, you know, some of those practices are, are not going to be for everyone. And that's yeah. totally okay. Yeah. I have questions about being someone who's just turned 50 Mm. about, and I've heard different things about our connection to ourselves as we age and the importance, I guess, of maintaining some connection to our sexuality as we age. I mean, we go through all these different Mm. changes in our lives, you know, maybe from being single to being partnered to, you know, who knows, to being back to single to changing different things, Mm. getting older. And as we do, it feels like our relationship to our self and as a result, our sexuality shifts too. Mm. And I just wonder, like, what are you seeing? What do you think is important as we age to to stay connected to or to consider when it comes to sex? Mm. Look, sex is... um, I mean, it's something that we can certainly enjoy 
throughout our lives. There's also often like a myth that when we get to a certain age, it's just gone or it's, um, you know, it's changed or it's harder. And that can certainly be true that it changes and that there are other things that we need to consider around it. But it certainly is possible to to keep that part of ourselves alive. Um, For a lot of women that I work with, they're having the best sex of their lives in their 50s and 60s because Mm. they're no longer holding themselves back. They're past Mm -hmm. the point of trying to please someone else or they're past the point of trying to play the good girl Mm -hmm. and they're really in it for themselves Mm. as well. So I think... Actually, and we, I, I did a, a podcast uh, not too long ago on um, Tantra um, throughout menopause. Oh, and right. as I was uh, interviewing this, this woman who had actually written a book on it, uh-huh. what became really clear to us is that a lot of the principles that um, we were kind of encouraging women, you know, through menopause and beyond to apply to themselves and their lives to help with those changes during menopause are actually things that any woman at any stage of her life would benefit from. Mm -hmm. And so that is things like listening to your body, listening to what it needs, dropping in, connecting to your body, making sure you're giving your body time to warm up, Mm -hmm. learning to ask for what it is that you want for Mm -hmm. yourself. And I mean, for me, they're all things that we can all really benefit from. And I think that as our body can go through changes Mm -hmm. during and after menopause, I think they become even more important. Mm. I've heard various things about how men, men's sexual desire changes as they get older too. And I wondered, I wonder about that and how it impacts our ability to relate to each other as we age, men, women, you know, et cetera. Mm. Actually, what we know is that sex generally stops in a relationship due to the man Mm-hmm. that he um, gets to a certain point and doesn't feel confident in um, engaging sexually anymore because things might not be functioning mm-hmm. the way they did. So the ultimate kind of stopping of sexual interactions is usually, um, you know, as a result of, of the man and, and how he is feeling sexually, which I think is really, you know, is really interesting because there is often like this cultural idea that it's women who, yeah. who stop that they get to a certain age and they're just not, not lose interest or, I mean, we never lose our longing really to, or our need is a better word to connect with other human beings. Um, You know, we know that for elderly people, uh, too, like touch is so important. We know, you know, we mm. saw um, in the, you know, the orphanages in the, I think it was the 80s and 90s, how important touch was for children's develop, a yeah. development. We also now know how important it is for the elderly. We never lose that need for intimate and physical connection yeah. with another human being. Yeah. The way that we express that and what we might need around that can change though i guess the biggest aspect that i see contributing to the disconnect between couples particularly around this mm. is their inability to communicate mm. about sex or their discomfort mm. in communicating about sex so it might have been the elephant in the room for 40 years of their relationship 
they both have emotions and feelings and needs around it that they're not able to express Mm -hmm. to each other. And for me, that's then where the disconnect comes in because they're not able to tell each other what they need or how they're feeling about it. It's easier to just stop having Mm. sex. It's interesting. Like when I think about some of the people that I work with too, and it feels like a lot of people who, you know, perhaps have been in relationships for long periods of time. Um, And, Mm. you know, it's interesting. Like, I don't know, do you work with same sex couples and things like that too? Like, I wonder what, what it's like or how it might be different with same sex or how it might be the same with same sex couples versus, you know, um, heterosexual couples. But it feels like people have resigned themselves to the fact that sex just isn't going to play a part. Yes. Yes. Often they do. Well, often one person will kind of say, oh, it just feels more comfortable that we don't have to address that. But, you know, I've worked with couples in their 60s who will tell me that they're having the best sex of their lives. Like they've never been able to connect in this way before or women um who are you know i work with women and couples women who are in their 60s who are saying oh my goodness i'm i'm finally not holding back anymore and that's such an amazing thing to see um a lot of what couples tell me is really it's their ability to talk about it that makes the biggest difference to them right yeah, wow. Well, you can't I can't tell you how much I'm loving hearing that people are having the best sex of their lives in their 60s. It's, <laughs> absolutely. I think there's always something to look forward to. Yeah. Okay, so I've seen that there's this I don't it's like a a video course or something, but it's called Oh my god, yes. Uh, and yes. it's this tutorial, but it tutorial sounds too stiff. It's this I don't know, this beautiful sharing of women around the act of self-pleasure. And yes. I wonder, like, I wonder what, what your thoughts are around that and, and even what your thoughts are just around self-pleasure in general. Yeah, I, um, I think, oh my God, yes, is a really great tool. It actually comes out of um, really solid research. So no one, else, no one had really done research on how women touch themselves and how women um, self-pleasure to orgasm before, uh, oh my God, yes, appeared. And I think it can give really, really helpful and very, very specific advice for women on how other women touch themselves and how they can touch themselves in ways that feel good. Mm. Now, when we know how to touch and give pleasure to ourselves, it's then obviously easier to show a partner or to tell a partner what we want so we can have more pleasure when Mm. we're with someone as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I have worked with a lot of clients who found, oh my God, yes, um, really, really helpful. And I um, bought a subscription to it as well because I, I, you know, I want to know, is there something else I can learn in here? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I think for some, some people though, and and some clients that I have worked with, um, there is sometimes some steps before then that actually help them get more out of a tool, like, oh my God, yes. And that's um, often what I would help um, people work on in either coaching or my online courses that Uh we need to start in a place of being connected Mm. to our bodies. Mm -hmm. It can be, you know, if we've still got shame and guilt in the 
like getting in the way, mm-hmm. it's going to be really hard for any technique to feel pleasurable. If we're not connected to our body, no technique is going to feel pleasurable. Mm-hmm. So starting with getting into our body, really connecting to our body, being able to listen to it, starting to shift those any negative beliefs that we mm-hmm. might have around sex to really give ourselves permission to feel pleasure, permission to self-pleasure, permission for sex to be about us as well as a partner. They're really important things that I think often have to happen first before learning specific techniques and whether it's techniques to use by ourselves or techniques to use when we're with a partner Mm -hmm. uh, really, you know, become as beneficial as they otherwise might. Mm, I love that you've said that. I really do. And it's because there's this, I feel like there's this view these days and everyone's just looking for tips and techniques and from, from, you know, from sex to diet, to exercise. And what we find is that that disconnection that existed before we had the techniques or the right diet or the right exercise continues even with it. And we end up not it ends up not, we end up not, I always say like falling off the wagon, like falling off the the health and wellness wagon, kind of back into our old patterns because we don't put in the effort to, to shift those mental patterns. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah. And it's exciting even like, cause I've, to be honest, I haven't thought about it. I've always thought about working out your, <laughs> you're working through your, your issues with sex in through engaging in it. And yet the way that you've talked about it to me just makes so much more sense. It, and, yes. it, and it feels like it can give you access to so much more of what it actually can offer you. Yeah, you know, when I started studying and I studied all these fantastic courses and I learned, um, uh, I'm not sure of like your your language warnings on this. So I, I learned, sure, let no, me say, genital massage. <laughs> I learned genital massage. I learned penis massage. I learned pussy massage. I learned, you know, um, anal techniques. I learned about different positions. I learned all this stuff. And I was yeah. like, this is going to be amazing. Um, you know, because I had already been studying Tantra for a number of years, I'd broken down a lot of the beliefs I had. I was like, this is great. I'm going to be able to share all of this with people and it's going to really enhance their their sex lives. And then as I started practicing, as I started working with people, I realized, wow, that, that technique isn't what they need, especially to begin with. Um, And so what I love, it's almost like giving couples and giving women the tools to discover it for themselves. Like Mm -hmm. that's what I, that's where I really love working with empowering people to discover themselves what they like and what feels good. And then we can fill that in with really specific tools and techniques um, once we've got those really important foundations. Mm. So tell me a little bit, tell us about these courses that you've got then and what areas are you, are you working with people around? Yes. So I'm, I have just put out uh, a, another course. So there's um, there's four courses that I have online at the moment. Um, the one that I'm running right now, which you know is is obviously right at the front of my mind, is called Reconnect. Okay. It's like a foundational course to uh, to help couples essentially to reconnect, mm-hmm. to you know become lovers instead of just housemates again. To 
have communication that really deepens their intimacy and then to start to reignite their sexual desire for each other based on those foundations. Mm. Uh, That's like a prelude to my couple's course, Intimacy and Desire, which is more about uh, really focusing on building that desire and the sexual skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think reconnect is, is again, that's the important kind of groundwork that's yeah. often needed um, before intimacy and desire. I also have uh, a course for women that shares more about Tantra and more on sexuality mm-hmm. as well. So for me, our relationships and sex are so entwined and so connected to each other that I feel like I can't teach one without yeah. the other. But I have broken the courses down so that one does tend to focus more on the relationship and then we get to move into uh, really cultivating that sexual space with each other or as individuals in the case of the women's courses. And what are you finding when, as you begin to see particularly women mm. um, being sort of freed up around some of this stuff and being able to explore sex and themselves and mm. their relationships kind of more, more freely or more openly? Oh, it's such a great question because it impacts so much in our lives when we start to explore and, and really get comfortable with this part of ourselves. Women find that overall they're more confident. They find that they might speak up more, you know, at at work. They So it has really tangible benefits for their career as well. You know, people's relationships benefit, but then also their whole family benefits. So, you know, the kids pick up on the energy between mum and dad, or they, you know, pick up on mum's energy of being calmer and more confident. And that makes a difference to how everyone interacts and women will often speak about it as just one not having that kind of cloud or worry and anxiety about this area of their lives hanging over them Mm. anymore but that they also feel more energized they feel more vibrant they feel more confident and more alive Mm. yeah I can imagine that actually especially all the different ways that we've sort of talked about it, like it opening you up, bringing you closer to yourself and it being a process, you know, to getting there, this process of, of, of constantly staying aware of what feels right, what doesn't, what's driving you, what's running you, all these different things that we've been talking about. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Getting in touch with your body, you know, allowing pleasure into your life, uh, mm. communicating your needs and desires more clearly. It's, you know, it's it's profound. Making changes in this area is is profound. It, it impacts every other area of our life. Well, I can tell you, as much as I thought I knew about <laughs> about sex, which honestly, like, I feel like it's just like anything. It's kind of like this lifelong study, too, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Always more to learn. As much as I thought I knew about it, there is just so much more, and there's something about that. You know, for me, as a 50 year old woman. Like, as I was saying to you before, there's something about that that's quite exciting because as we've talked about, it's learning more about it, learning more about myself and the way that I'm relating to myself and the way that I relate to my partner and even just the world around me. 
being able to do that to me, it sort of opens up possibilities in my life. Like you said, for more confidence and more joy and, you know, overall more connectedness. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It could feel like hard work or we can feel a little bit daunted by kind of opening the Pandora's box, but those benefits are so worthwhile. One thing I'm wondering, you know, kind of just as we're starting to wrap things up a little bit, is what level of priority do you feel we should give this in our in our lives? Because it is one of those things that we've sort of talked about before can get kind of relegated to the bottom of the list. Yeah, great question. I think our relationships are one of the most important things in yeah. our life. And we don't have a great sex life within that unless we make that a priority too. And So it takes conscious attention. It takes carving out time. It takes looking at our beliefs. It takes just seeing it as important for us to really do that and to have it, to have it thrive, to not have it be an area that, that holds us back, but to be something that really adds to and kind of becomes the cherry on top, if you like, of, Mm -hmm. of our relationships. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, like another powerful tool in our toolkit for being our best selves. Exactly. Oh my goodness. So I said, tell us where we can find you. Mm, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram as asiamckimmy.sexologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also have a podcast, Wholehearted Love, Life and Intimacy. Yay. That's exciting. Okay. So last quick, last thing, because when you said sexologist, that just brought one more, one more super quick question. <laughs> what is a sexologist? Yeah. A sexologist is someone who has studied human sexuality at uh, university or, or college level. So for me, um, I have a, a postgraduate uh, qualification in like actually studying human sex sexuality, how it works, what makes us tick, our attitudes around it, and the the broader cultural things around it as well. Fabulous! I really do love that you've got this Eastern view with tantra, and then you've also kind of got this Western mm-hmm. view as well, which really gives you this beautiful kind of wholeness around what you offer and and how you help people. And I'm sure plenty of people appreciate it. And I certainly appreciate this conversation because it's, it's gone all over the place, but it's been incredibly enlightening for me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for actually for really having the courage to open this conversation and just being willing to share it with your listeners. Oh, definitely want to be doing more talk about this stuff. Cause I feel like these are things that people don't talk about. And, and as you say, It's incredibly important and and so empowering. So thanks again. Thank you. Hello, hello. So what did you think of that? I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Isaiah is a joy to talk to. And as I mentioned in the talk, Ayurveda views sex as a vital aspect of a healthy mind and body. And perhaps even more than that, individuals who are healthy in all ways, including their own sexuality, are considered the foundation for a healthier and happier world. In fact, one of my favorite teachers of Ayurveda, Acharya Shunya, says in her book, the Vedic sages were farsighted indeed when they conceived of a society that holds its collective sexual energy with transparency, accountability, respect, sensitivity, and care. Human pleasures such as 
singing, dancing, playing, enjoying material wealth and sexual gratification are seen by the sages as pursuits that play an important role in the overall health and well-being of an individual and a society. I love that. And that really encapsulates a lot of what Asai and I were talking about in the talk and a lot of the conversation around this topic that I hope to continue to have. So I've been becoming more intrigued in the deeper meanings and the practices of these three pillars, right? Namely health, uh, these three pillars of health, namely food, sleep, and sex. And so you can expect to hear more thoughts about them on this platform because it's something that I'm wanting to dive into just a little bit deeper. So if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a line because I'd love to hear from you. And I'm also hoping to get Isai back. So if you got any questions about sex in particular, make sure to send them along. Until then, namaste. Namaste.